Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends. It's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Good morning. How is everybody this morning? If you had yesterday off, today's your Monday, I would assume, <laughs> because uh, you had a nice long three-day weekend. Good for you. We have a lot to talk about in the show today. Uh, later this hour, we're going to be joined by the Tarrant County, Texas Sheriff Bill Wayborn. We're going to talk about what's happening on the border and how that is affecting his job to try to keep the residents of Tarrant County Safe, so we're talking about that later, but I um, wanted to start off talking about some mixed messages, some things that are happening. So, um, as we know, uh, President Trump is no longer in office, and we got that message loud and clear. Um, and uh, the the uh, third party idea in this country taking hold, and there you've seen poll after poll after poll, and I was just like, Yeah, okay, kind of get it. Well, Gallup first started asking this question in 2003 and at the time when they asked if if you would want a third party uh 40 percent of the respondents said yes a majority of respondents have said yes since 2007 just four years later right now six out of ten people believe america needs a third political party because they think that Republicans and Democrats are doing such a poor job, according uh, to, to a survey, to this, to this Gallup survey. They, they think Republicans and Democrats are doing just such a bad job. So I have a couple different theories here, and there's a lot of different, um, different talking heads who are saying different things about where this, this country needs to go. But I'll tell you, I, I think what we're seeing, this is my own personal opinion. And let me give you the number. Cause I want to hear from you, obviously 866-408-7669-866-408-7669. Um, do, do you think we needed a, a third political party in this country? And this idea has been going on for a while. You, t- you heard about uh, libertarianism, right? We all thought libertarianism was going to become a thing. The tea party was going to become a thing. I um, am undeclared. I do not belong to uh, a party. I'm undeclared because I vote for the person, not the party. Uh, But I could see, I would like to see the Republican Party change. So I think on the right, you have the grand old party. And then you have like this Trump section, the Trumpism brand of Republicanism. And to me, that is it's not necessarily more conservative than the traditional Republican party, but they fight. They're fighters. There are people who come in and say, no, this is wrong. This is what we believe in. And we're going to fight for it. Whereas to me, the traditional Republicans don't fight. It's just that to me, business as usual in Washington, DC is Democrats come in, they fight, they do everything they possibly can. They line up behind their guy. Even if they know their guy's lying, it doesn't matter. It's his guy. It's like a family. Like, you know, your brother's a jerk, 
but you're the only one who can say that. Like if someone else calls your brother a jerk, then you're going to go after that guy, right? Because he's your brother. You're allowed to do that. So that's the way the Democrats are. Republicans are not like that. Republicans will throw each other under the bus at the drop of a hat. So I would like to see more fighters. I would like to see more. A lot of the incoming freshmen who came in and overturned all those seats in the House, they're fighters. They're like Trump Republicans. That's what you're seeing come in. And I think that that, that frightens the GOP, like the, the grand old party part, the established GOP. Now, you've got the same thing on the left, but in just bizarro world, it's upside down world over there. You've got the standard Democrat party, right? The old guard, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, those guys. And then you have the AOC wing of the party. So I think the AOC, AOC is to the far left of their party as to what Trump is to the far right of the Republican Party. So I think it's happening on both sides. But they just asked the question about a general third party. Now, I don't know what that third party would be. I don't know if that third party would be, you know, like a moderate party and you just let the GOP go far to the right with the Trump and you just let the uh, the Democrats go far to the left. I don't know, because that's the way the Democrats are going. They're going far to the left. But I just want to know, um, would you want to see a third party in this country? And what would it be? What do you want to see? 866 408 Seven six six nine is my number now. Um, so here's what's happening in the media. Eric Swalwell <laughs> was on MSNBC yesterday, and he talked about the Capitol riot and the and the the talking point now from the Democrats to their water carriers in the media is that we need a nine eleven style commission to find out what happened. We really don't. We just need Nancy Pelosi to answer questions. That's what we need because there's a lot of unanswered questions and she has the answers. But they're going to do a 9-11 style commission. They're going to do it to try to smear Trump even more, just try to beat him down even more. And they're also going to try to discredit his followers. That's what they're going to do. They, they know that there are 75 million people who voted for Donald Trump, and they think those people are inherently flawed. So listen to what Eric Swalwell says we need to investigate the Capitol Hill riot. But I think there's more to it than that. There's no moving on. Uh, you know, January 6th is a day, sadly, that we'll all remember. I do think that we have to take a approach that we took after September 11 and, and root out uh, white nationalism, uh, terrorism from our country. I, I do believe we need a September 11 style commission. Take it outside of Congress. I don't want this in Congress, frankly. I think it should be an independent commission uh, appointed outside of Congress. You hear what he said there? We have to root out white nationalism, terrorism. They're moving to now paint anyone who supports President Trump still. If you're not shamed enough after what he did at that Capitol, he tried to assassinate Nancy Pelosi. Those are the talking points. If you still believe in that man, we're going to hunt you down. You are a white nationalist terrorist. That's how afraid they are of you if you support President Trump. 866-408-7669. Do we need a third party? And like I said, six in 10 Americans now say, yes, we do. Let's go to William on WTRC in South Bend, Indiana. William, good morning. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi, Mary. Good morning. I've spoken to you a few times. Certainly appreciate taking call and filling in for Brian. Um, 
my opinion, no, we don't need a third party. We need the Republicans to stand up and do what they need to do. You know, the conservative, that, that conservative approach that was so many years ago is no longer. They need to take a high road that leads somewhere, not one that goes to nowhere. They need to take some of the actions the way that the Democrats do. They need to move forward and stand up and stick together. See, you know what? I would agree with you. But what happened? Mitch McConnell stood up after the impeachment, after the president was acquitted, and he ripped into the president. What did he say? He can still be held criminally responsible. What are you doing? No Democrat would do that if the shoe were on the other foot. I just think there are some people in the Republican Party who can't stand what Trump stood for because they're, they're, they are creatures of the swamp. And President Trump is everything but that. He is the polar opposite. And I just think that he makes them uncomfortable. He challenges their way of thinking and he challenges their way of life. William, thank you for joining me again. Always a pleasure. I appreciate you chiming in and listening to the Brian Kilmeade show. You've got, so, so what Mitch McConnell did when he stood up there, I was appalled. like, what are you doing? Shut up, shut up. But what you're seeing on the other hand, and this too, I think is frightening to the Republican senators and, and congressmen and women, uh, because you're starting to see the ones who voted for impeachment are being censured at home. They're being censured by their state GOP. Cassidy out of Louisiana was censured the same day. They wasted no time in censuring him unanimously. You see Mitt Romney's going to be censured uh, and on and on. You, you saw um, uh, Liz Cheney. She got censured because they're not representing the will of their people, of their constituents. And I think that that really frightens like the Mitch McConnell in that era of politician. I think they're frightened by that. Because now you're starting to see, I think, a movement in this country where people are starting to hold their elected representatives to task. They're starting to hold them accountable on the other side of the aisle. Look what's happening with Governor Cuomo, right? You have 14 Democrats who are calling for him to be impeached or to be censured. They want him punished for what he did. And those are Democrats. So I think there's almost like this new wave on both sides that are coming up that are against the swamp. And I think that Donald Trump, even for the left, Donald Trump kind of unleashed that in this country. And I don't think you put that genie back in the bottle. So unless the Republicans change, I think you wind up with another party. And also, according to this poll, or it actually was um, another poll said that um, a different poll found that two thirds of Republicans who were asked would join or consider joining a new political party if Trump were to start one. If Trump were the head of it and it was a Trump-style party, two-thirds of, of professed Republicans said that they would consider joining that party. Now, the president has said that he does not intend to start a new party. That's not what his intent is, and we're still waiting to see exactly what he does. But I think that um, you're, this movement, the reason this number is so big of Americans who want to see another political party is something has changed. Something has fundamentally shifted in this country in the last five years. And I think Donald Trump was the one who tapped into it. He was the right man at the right time to tap into it on both sides. Let's take more of your calls coming up. All right. 866-408-7669. I want to know if you think we need a third party and, and what would it look like to you? Would it be in the vein of Donald Trump? 
Would it be more in the vein of the Republican Party? And if you're on the left, do you want to see more of a, more of a socialist move like the AOC-type brand of the party? Or do you want to see more of the Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer uh, brand of the party materialize maybe as something, a different party altogether? We'll get your calls coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. There's no topic he won't touch. And there's no opinion he won't engage. It's one of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The challenge the GOP has is to is to uh, move away from Trump without alienating his supporters. I think most Republican politicians, or at least many of them, have concluded that they cannot win a national election with Trump. He lost the last one, and then he damaged his reputation terribly with his conduct after the election. So he's damaged. Uh, but he, he retains a significant following within the party. So they're, what, they, what they're trying to do, I think, is to try to see if they can hang on to his voters without hanging on to him. That isn't easy to do. Britt Hume on Special Report. And I say to you that I don't think that Trump damaged his reputation that much with the impeach, the second impeachment and the riot at Capitol Hill. I think most Trump supporters don't see it that way is it time for a third party and is donald trump the person to lead that party or should it be in the vein of donald trump let's go to brooksville florida john on wxjb hi john good morning good morning how are you good thank you third party well that's a, a bit of a hard question now is a third party really necessary potentially The other way of looking at it, or do we dispel the other two parties and just vote for the person? I, you know what I would even like, I would even like to go back to the way it was back in the 1700s when we first started this whole thing. Um, and you voted for a president and a vice president and they didn't necessarily have to be from the same party. You know, and 
just recently I totally said the same thing, and and uh, I completely agree with that. Uh, the the thing is, is somebody's riding a coattail as a vice president, and they're just toting the line. Now, the problem that I have with the two-party system, uh, and, and I've been very vocal about this on, on social media and uh, putting the, uh, the so-called jails several times because I, I spoke very openly about this, and that is that uh, the two-party system is a monetary system. The yeah. money is what buys the vote. Uh, so the party and essentially is, is a business. It has nothing to do with representation anymore. You know, it's interesting, John. Thank you so much for this. You are very smart because General David Petraeus has said something along the very same lines just recently. By and large, there has been such hyper-partisanship that it's been very difficult to accomplish what the bulk of Americans would actually like to see accomplished. Why is that? It's because we have had gerrymandering where a red district is made bright red, a blue district is made bright blue. We have party primaries, not open primaries, and in a party primary, only a fifth to a quarter of the, of the party actually votes. They are the activists, and that's where the, the election is determined. And, of course, in those primaries, the, if you're a Republican, you're going to get outflanked on the right. If you're a Democrat, you're going to get outflanked on the left. Um, so we, sh- we should very strongly uh, consider undoing uh, gerrymandering. We should consider open primaries. Yeah. Consider open primaries. Uh, There are states that don't have open primaries. My state of New Jersey, you must be registered as a Democrat in order to vote in the Democrat primary or a Republican in order to vote in the Republican primary. Everybody else, which is the majority of voters in my state, are unaffiliated or belong to other parties and they can't vote in the primaries. And I think he's right. I think it, it pushes the parties far to the left or far to the right. And that's what you wind up with as your candidate. Let's quickly go to Bob in Florida on WOKV. Hey, Bob, good morning. You're on the Brian Kilmeade show. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm doing just great. So what do you think about a third party and would it be in the vein of Trump for you? Well, I, I've always thought it's funny that the guy that you just had on sort of echoes my thoughts, too, is I've always thought that uh, parties is the problem that we have. The fact that people are now divided into two parties is what creates so many of the problems. I know plenty of Democrats who don't believe everything the Democrat Party platform stands for, and I know plenty of Republicans who don't believe everything the Republicans stand for. But what we end up doing is we end up being forced into those groups because we're always told, well, this is the most important election of your lifetime. If right. you don't vote here, then you're voting for the other guy. So I've always thought we should have no parties and you just vote for, you know, you got a dozen or so people up on stage and you vote for whoever sounds the best. Yeah, that that is very, that's very true, Bob. Thank you. Thank you so much for your call. Appreciate you listening to the Brian Kilmeade show. But one thing I just want to stay here, but get in here is that I think one of the things that happens and he's absolutely right. Bob's right. You know, that you keep being told how many times in my lifetime have I heard this is the most important election of our lifetime. And after a while, you're like, no, I see it. I kind of get it. I really get this. How many Republicans or people who were independents who voted for President Trump because they saw the agenda on the left as the party get pushed to each extreme. They saw this far left extremist agenda come up. I mean, Kamala Harris is one of the most far left members of Congress with her voting record. She's there with Bernie Sanders. She's like, wait a minute. She's going to wind up being president because I don't know anyone who actually thinks that Joe Biden is going to serve out four years. Like, I'm shocked he's still there. The clock is a ticking. 
And that's why you see her, you know, she doesn't speak much. She's over there just biding her time, just going, mm-hmm. Keep talking, Joe. Because she knows she's going to be president, right? And so I see that, and I think this is because if Kamala Harris becomes president, we're going to be full on. We're going to blow past socialism to an authoritarian dictatorship faster than I can pack my bags to get the hell out of the country. And so I think for a lot of people, that's super, super scary. So what do you do? You move further in the other direction. And that's what's happening. The Democrats are pushing me further to the right. Coming up, we're going to switch gears here for uh, for a little bit. We're going to speak with Bill Wayborn, who's the Tarrant County, Texas sheriff, on what's happening at the border and how it's going to affect you. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Thousands of family units have been released into the United States over the past few weeks. No COVID test. And on top of that, as soon as they get to their destination, they qualify for a work visa. They're going to be competing for the same jobs that unemployed Americans are competing for now because the unemployment rates are at its extreme high. So, you know, the Biden administration says we're concerned about, you know, COVID. We want federal mandates on masks and we're shutting down schools. At the same time, thousands are coming across the border with no COVID test, no masks being released in the U.S. to compete for the same U.S. jobs that many of our middle class workers are going to be competing for. It's, it's again, it's a switch on the American people. They don't care about employment of Americans. They don't care about COVID or they will take action on the border to protect Americans. That was Tom Homan on COVID concerns at the border here to talk about it. Someone who is dealing with all of that at the border, the sheriff of Tarrant County, Texas, Bill Wayborn. Uh, sheriff, thank you for joining us. Good to be with you, Mary. So what we're hearing about these these uh, migrants, these immigrants uh, being released into the country without any type of COVID test do we know that to be true? Because I've heard people say that's not true. They're being tested. The individual cities and towns along the border, when they come into their area, they come into the, like the bus station or something like that. They are COVID tested and before they are released into the community. So which is true? Well, I think that uh, I, uh, Tom Holman is a great source on exactly what is true. You know, we're, we're sitting three or 400 miles away from the border, and all my border contacts are telling me exactly what Tom said, is that uh, Border Patrol and that group down there don't have the test to even give out and, and conduct. And if we're counting on people at bus stations and so forth like that, you know, you ask what, what authority do they have? To, uh, in a bus station to stop somebody and say, we want you to take this COVID test, uh, if that's how they're getting there. Now, some of these people are driving and getting it there other ways. So it is it is occurring. We just don't know what, uh, how much of it. So what is the response from the administration? I This story is national news. I see it everywhere. Yeah, you, it's, you know that it's a bad story when even the liberal outlets, the more liberal-leaning propagandists, are reporting this. So it's not just, you know, a, a conservative news media story. You're exactly right. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's all something that the New York Times was reporting it is I think that the, uh, the, the president, the new president's administration is giving out a lot of confusing information about what his position is on the border from prisoners being released from TDC 
from Texas Department of Corrections and county jails without with detainers being lifted to this issue on the border where basically he's handcuffed Border Patrol and and it's a uh, we're back to a catch and release policy if, even if that happens. So you've gotten basically no have you well have you asked the administration for some kind of clarification? We have through channels and uh, we get we're told uh, uh, by by federal authorities in the. Uh, in both ICE and, and other things, it says, hey, we can't answer your questions. It's real confusing. We're trying to figure it out now ourselves. Oh, well, that makes me feel really um, secure uh, because I can imagine, remember, remember when the Trump administration came in and all we kept hearing, it was chaos. Nobody knows what's going on. We don't hear those stories about the Biden administration. So the only thing I can think of is they know what's going on. They just don't want to tell us what's going on. Jen Psaki is going to circle back to us and, and let us know when she gets an answer. But this is a dangerous thing, is it not? Because it's not just COVID. If we're worried about COVID, what about the other diseases they could be bringing into this country, especially for people who maybe do have COVID right now or have gotten it and maybe have weakened lungs or have, you know, maybe some, some weakened heart issues or something from COVID that makes them more susceptible to some of these other diseases they could be bringing into the country. We don't know about those either, do we? No, we don't. Uh, we don't. But we do know that if they're picked up by Border Patrol and they're at the border and if if they have the sniffles, they're going to get them to a, a local ER. And that's concerning, too, if we're getting ready for another surge in local home, those ERs down there just on small things. Uh, but you're right. The, the bigger things are still there, and we don't know. We just now, don't have a good control of it. When they come into the country, and should they, you know, have the sniffles, they get they get sent to an ER, and um, it's determined that they have covid at that point, because they're in the country, the American taxpayer picks up the bill then for their care and treatment, regardless of how long it is or how intensive it is, correct? Correct. Yeah, ain't that great? Ain't America great? In the meantime, my premiums went up for the same plan with the same company, and they're giving me less. They're covering less. So welcome to America. That's fantastic. Um, it's just so, it's just so, so maddening to me. So, so what, what is your guidance at this point? And are you starting to see this influx in Tarrant County? Cause Tarrant County is further North. That's like Fort Worth is Tarrant County, right? That is correct. We haven't completely seen the influx right here just now. We have had some confusion over illegal aliens that have committed criminal acts that are in our jail of what they're going to take and what they're not going to take once they are released from here. So we're dealing with that confusion and, uh, and that, that's staying pretty steady, about 8% of the jail population. And uh, so we're, we're trying to figure that out. And hopefully it's not going to be at least the violent criminals. But, you know, that's a subjective statement because uh, they're even saying previously uh, convicted felons, repeat offenders, if they're not currently on a um, violent crime, that they will be released, that detainer will be no good. We know what percentage of the population did you say that was? Did you say 8 or 80 Eight, eight. Uh, eight, okay. Instance, I thought you said yeah, 80, yeah. and I thought, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Only, about, only about 8% of the population uh, that we have in custody is 
is uh, criminal illegal aliens. Okay. Now, would they are are there different release qualifications for them than there are for a citizen? Uh, that you're releasing these people, the only reason you would be holding them otherwise, then I guess, is because they are in the country illegally. Whereas, um, and if they were a citizen, they would be released with a date that they have to appear in front of a judge. So now they'd be treated the same way. Is that the way it is, or am I interpreting that incorrectly? No, they they uh, they have a bond set, and if they make that bond and they're not on the list to be picked up, the detainer's removed and they walk out the front door. And, uh, you know, that could be a repeat offender on a DWI, for instance, uh, is is one on the list, which, you know, considering DWI nonviolent is, is a crazy thing because they kill several of our good citizens every year, uh, both uh, – you know, I mean, and that includes the entire population that's involved with that. But uh, uh, so, yeah, they'd be released just like a regular citizen. OK, so a regular citizen would be released under the same rules, under those rules as well. So so what they're doing is they're equating them with with a citizen and giving them the same rights and privileges and the same treatment that a citizen would get if they were in jail for that. What is the rate of return? What is the what is the percentage of those people who show up for their court date on that bond? Well, we're told uh, by uh, ICE that 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 uh, only about six to eight percent are going to show up for uh, for any hearings. And what percentage of American citizens show up? It's it's quite the reverse. You know, we have about ninety to ninety two percent will show up for their date in court. So why is it? Is it because an American citizen is easier to track down and find because they have an address and they're not living in the shadows, so it's easier to find an American citizen and hold them accountable than it is for someone who's in the country illegally? Yeah, there's a whole array of issues on that, and, the, and what you just mentioned is correct. The other part of it is is that these folks uh, abscond or they uh, don't want to come back because there's a chance that they're fearful of that they'll be detained and deported. Right, which which I I I totally understand that, um, which to me would make even more reason why you would hold them in jail. But um, so, but in the end, final in the end, what I think what I've been trying to get at, and the answer I've been trying to find is, they basically are treated different than American citizens and have more privilege than American citizens because American citizens are released because they know that they're going to come back. Right. Because they're going to be held accountable for the bond. If they jump bond, they know that someone's going to be held accountable for that. Number one. And number two, they know they're they're easier to find an American citizen because they have because they're here legally. They have a trail. We know where they live, all that kind of stuff. Whereas an illegal someone who's here illegally is going to get the same privilege, but they're not going to be held to the same repercussions as a citizen would because they can live in the shadows for decades. That is correct. Because often they don't have any driver's license or any type of identification on them, and they can fade, as you well said, into the shadows, and it's very difficult to find them. So how do do they get a bond if they don't have any ID, they don't have any kind of paperwork, there's no trail? Who gives them a bond? Well, that would be a magistrate that they would go before a – you know, if, for instance, the way it works is if, if you are an illegal alien, you get arrested for DWI, you come to our jail, and, and there's if you're a first-time offender, you might have a 750 or a $1,000 bond. You make that bond, and then we call ICE and say, hey, we have this detainer. Now, if they pick him up, they will take him to a federal magistrate 
who will then release him probably under these guidelines and say your court date. And I understand that those court dates are two and three years off into the future. And, uh, and they'll give him a court date and then he'll be let go. This is amazing. And I know I spent a lot of time on this because I don't know a whole lot about bonding out and things like that. Thank goodness. I don't know <laughs> a lot about that. This is just amazing <laughs> right. to me. So, um, when, under the Trump administration from the Obama administration, what, what did you see when it came to numbers and, and crimes committed against American citizens in Tarrant County by illegal immigrants? When I say crimes, I'm talking about robbery, um, you know, assault, all of them. I, I don't care if a drunk driver hit me with their car. If they're here illegally, I'm on the hook to pay because they're not paying jack squat. I'm paying. So to me, that's a crime against me. So what's the difference? Well, I think I think you've articulated the difference, but but what we've seen is is under the Obama administration, actually, it was less confusion than the Biden administration, uh, and they were doing some deportations. We saw people deported, and uh, there were things going on there. When Trump and I came into office about the same time, one of the most significant things that I saw is on the same scale of everything else that we talked about is you could get methamphetamine, Mexican methamphetamine for $20 a gram. Well, under the Trump administration, that went up in this last year to $80 a gram, which meant the supply went down. We were doing something right. We were choking off the supply. It has already started going back down and you can get methamphetamine today for 30 or $40 just to demonstrate the difference in security on the border. And for the, folks in jail that we saw is uh, there wasn't hard facts of what was articulated under the Obama administration. There was some stats that were difficult to follow on the, under the state, rather, of, of did it go up, did it go down? We know that in the last four years, our, our pop, jail population has stayed steady between 6 and 8 percent of folks, and these are murderers, these are kidnappers, these are robbery mm-hmm. suspects, they are child molesters. Uh, and and by the way, we did a case-by-case review on a snapshot, and 70% of these were repeat offenders. So it wasn't their first rodeo. So right. they're coming back through the system. Amazing. Uh, in, in 60 seconds, because we've, we've got to go here, what's the weather like? How are you guys doing? Is it getting any better? Well, today is not any better. The high is going to be in the in the high teens, and and uh, we have these rolling blackouts. I'm very concerned about our elderly shut-ins and uh, and that type of thing. And I know our homeless. There's places for them to go if they'll go. Some of them just refuse to go. But uh, but we it's cold and it's treacherous to move around. And uh, uh, we haven't seen this before in Texas. It's, but we got yeah. a pioneer spirit and. The, the Texas, Texas folks are coming through it, and they'll be just fine. Well, I lived out near TCU for a little bit over a year, and I know that when the temperature drops below 50, you all don't know what to do with yourselves. So um, <laughs> I can't even imagine what the roads are like if anybody if anybody heads out. So if you're listening in Texas, please stay in. Uh, Sh- Sheriff Bill Wayborn, thank you so much for your time, and, and good luck with everything. We appreciate what you do. Well, thank you, and it's an honor to be of service. All right, more more coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com.
the talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This MAGA movement needs to continue. Uh, we need to unite the party. Trump plus is the way back in 2022. Uh, he's mad at some folks, but I understand that. My goal is to win in 2022 to stop the most radical agenda I've seen coming out of the Democratic uh, presidency of Joe Biden. We can't do that without Donald Trump. So he's ready to hit the trail and I'm ready to work with him. So that was Senator Lindsey Graham uh, talk about after the impeachment. He also went on to say that what Mitch McConnell had to say was not helpful. Actually, I'll let him tell you. Here is uh, Lindsey Graham on Mitch McConnell's speech. I think Senator McConnell's speech, he got a load off his chest, obviously. But unfortunately, he put a load on the back of Republicans. That speech you will see in 2022 campaigns. I would imagine if you're a Republican running in uh, Arizona or Georgia or New Hampshire, where we have a chance to take back the Senate, they may be playing Senator McConnell's speech and asking you about it as a candidate. And I imagine if you're an incumbent Republican, there are going to be people asking you, will you support Senator McConnell in the future? Yeah. So is Lindsey Graham right? Uh, is it time for a third party? And is the party of the future for the Republican Party in the mold of Donald Trump? Or is it, as uh, many have said, that it's time to say, OK, we had Donald Trump, but it's time to pull everybody back together. And it's time to get back to the grand old party, as Larry Hogan said yesterday. 866-408-7669 is my number. I'm Mary Walter with you, and let's go to Tom in Gainesville, Florida. Tom, good morning. Good morning. So what do you think? What's the future here? Well, I think the third, a third party would mean you're going to run the country with 30% voting, uh, electing him. I think Ross Perot costs George Bush Sr. the election. And I think a third party means that you just wouldn't have 50% of the people Doing, uh, I mean, there needs to be some fixes, yes, but I don't think a third party just off the cuff without some other changes would fix, it would make matters worse. <laughs> but there are, you know what, though, there are plenty of other countries in which they have a lot more than just two parties and they seem to do just fine. And they they cobble together, you know, a a coalition government. That's what you're forced to do. In a way, I kind of think that's good. As I said earlier, I would love to see us go back to the ideal of or the way it was done early in this country, back in the 1700s into the 1800s, where you voted for the president and the vice president. And they weren't necessarily from the same party. And they had several parties back then. There weren't just two parties. They had several parties. And you got to vote for, you know, whoever got the most votes got president. Whoever got the second most votes got vice president. Now, I don't know how we would do it with the Electoral College, but uh, or maybe, you know, whoever wins the Electoral College, the most votes in the Electoral College gets president and whoever gets the second amount of votes gets uh, vice president. Do it that way, because I think the Electoral College is super important. I think it's a very important institution. I think we need to keep it uh, because if you look at a map and you see the blue in this country, you see it around the edges. Right. It's coastal and in some of the big cities. But after that, it's all red. You can't allow the people concentrated in the blue run the country for everyone because their concerns are far different than, quote unquote, flyover country and outside the beltway where the rest of us live. So maybe that's the way we do this. But um, you have the highest number of people ever in this poll that Gallup's been taking since 04 saying that we need a third party. And this is the highest uh, it's six, six out of 10 people. That's a lot saying that something's happening. So there are a lot of people who don't feel that the Democrats serve their interest and don't feel that the Republicans serve their interests. 
I'm Mary Walter, sitting in for Brian Kilmeade on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, good morning to you. Yes, I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade today. And we're going to start off here with something, something very interesting. And this, this has become a national story. We're joined by the 53rd governor of New York, Governor George Pataki. He is also the author of The Great Divide. You can find him on Twitter at Governor Pataki. That's pretty easy. Governor, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Mary. Nice being on with you. So, boy, does Andrew Cuomo have a couple of problems talking about COVID and what happened with the nursing homes. And I'm really surprised he thought that this was just going to be swept under the rug. But I think a lot of Democrats just feel that they can get away with a lot and it's just never going to be questioned by the media. But it is being questioned by the media because the attorney general for the state of New York, Letitia James, she uh, she came out with a report regarding the number of deaths that occurred in nursing homes homes under Governor Cuomo's uh, edict to put recovering COVID positive patients back into nursing homes and rehab centers in order to get them out of the hospitals when he had the comfort and he had the Jacob Javits Center, but he made this decision, right? So it's, it's getting some, some play now in the media, shall we say? So he had a press conference yesterday. I'd just like you to hear what he said here. It's a very short little clip. And I'd love to hear what you have to say about this. I don't think there's anything too clear here. Uh, that's a fact. There's nothing to investigate there. Uh, and then we uh, provided information to DOJ. So there's no, there is nothing uh, to investigate. I, I'm telling you. So he's telling me, but I still think there's something to investigate. What do you think? You know, Mary, it's just incredible, you know, because he tells us there's nothing to investigate. Everything should just go away. Uh, Well, earlier this week, there was a a Zoom call with his chief of staff with Democratic legislators where they said she said they had deliberately covered up the number of nursing home deaths because they're afraid of a DOJ investigation. Uh, Now, it wasn't like uh, the Cuomo administration voluntarily just finally released this. There was a court order requiring them to release uh, the numbers. And it turns out the numbers are thousands and thousands more. Mary, somewhere between 13 and 15,000 of New York's most vulnerable died in nursing homes. And it was a direct result of the Cuomo policy of requiring them to take COVID-positive patients. This cries out for an investigation, and so does the cover-up. You know, the story's always the cover-up's worse. They intentionally hid these numbers for months. And uh, I would hope uh, not just press attention, but that the Justice Department and appropriate New York officials uh, would begin a very thorough investigation, including subpoena powers, to find out exactly what happened here. 
So l- let me ask you what your thought on this is, because you brought up something interesting. You said, you know, I hope that there is a, a DOJ investigation or at least something on a state level, if not on a federal level. What are the chances of that actually happening on either level and it being legitimate, you know, I, like a I, real I fear, investigation? I, I, I fear the answer from a, uh, a DOJ or uh, prosecutors in New York standpoint, that it's not very likely at all. But I believe that a bipartisan uh, legislative or congressional investigation is very possible because in New York, you have Democratic legislators who are outraged by this, calling for a thorough investigation. So I would hope uh, that uh, for for once in our history, put aside the partisanship, uh, create a bipartisan commission with investigatory and subpoena powers and find out what happened. This cannot be allowed to stand. We were told lies. I mean, yesterday we were told that it wasn't the 19,000 COVID positive patients, 9,000 who were sent directly from hospitals to nursing homes that caused this problem. It was staff or visitors. Well, you couldn't have visitors and the staff were risking their lives without PPE to care for our most vulnerable. So this cries out for action. And certainly an investigation is the first step. And I'd also like to say regarding staff in, in these uh, facilities, my husband's an ICU doctor. And um, so he was up to his eyeballs. He was in the, the thick of this in a hospital in New Jersey. And they did a study and they tested every single person who wor- works in the ICU or would have contact in the ICU, all the way down, you know, from cleaning people all the way up, you know, the, the clerks, everyone. One person had antibodies and that person's husband had COVID. So what it shows is that the PPE works. So the they're they're being protected and they're not transmitting it to other patients when they have with the PPE and the protocols that were put in place, at least in the hospitals. Now, was the protocol probably less stringent in these um, long-term care facilities? Absolutely. And I can give a certain amount of of understanding for New York, New Jersey, and other states where it hit hardest first. They were the first and they didn't really know what they were doing. There was a really steep learning curve when it came to COVID. So I can excuse a lot of this, but I can't excuse the lying. That's what, to your point that the cover up is worse than the crime. To me, if he had come out and said, look, Exactly what I just said. We're learning. We were learning the whole time. We didn't realize these patients could still be contagious. So we tried to free up beds in the hospitals. We did the wrong thing. And for that, we are eternally sorry. But we didn't hear that. As a matter of fact, let's go to cut three here. This is what he had to say when asked if he had anything to apologize for. Is there anything that you personally apologize for in this whole process? Apologize? Look, I have said repeatedly We made a mistake in creating the void. When we didn't provide information, it allowed press, people, cynics, politicians to fill the void. So should he have apologized? And do you think that he had something to apologize for? Mary, I have to tell you, I hadn't heard that clip before, and it's just so, so distressing, you know, that somehow it's politicians' fault that they covered up intentionally this information. And it was this so-called void that was the problem. No, the problem was sending thousands of COVID-positive patients to nursing homes from hospitals when the nursing homes were saying, we cannot deal with this. You're going to infect people. And this is not something that 
was was rocket scientists that nobody didn't know. For a month and a half, the world, including me, were clamoring, saying, this is insanity. You're killing people. Stop it. Uh, and they finally did. So, uh, you know, it's just so discouraging that uh, when a hideous blunder that costs thousands of lives is made, that you don't stand up and say, we made a terrible mistake. It's our fault. And I apologize for the families. And Mary, as I said, you know, his chief of staff apologized to Democratic politicians on that Zoom call for making it inconvenient for them. They should be apologizing to the families of the 15,000 people who died in our senior citizen centers and, uh, and nursing homes. It's just it's to me, it's incomprehensible. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You also mentioned that there are Democrat state lawmakers who are now coming down on him. And it's so you would think it would be the Republicans and the Democrats usually circle the wagons. That's what they do. Republicans form a firing squad. Democrats circle the wagons. So to me, it's very interesting to see the Democrats now forming the firing squad. It's almost as if he is now expendable. This man had presidential hopes. You knew that's exactly what he was thinking in 2024. And he was positioning himself for why is it that the Democrats are not protecting him? To me, this is rarely seen in politics. Well, I, I don't think it's a question of not protection. I think it's a question of sharing the outrage. A, a Democratic Assemblyman Kim from uh, Queens is one of those leading the charge for this investigation. He lost family members in nursing homes. So there comes a point where things are just so, so unacceptable uh, that you have to put aside partisan politics. And I hope that this is one of them where it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat. The yeah. virus didn't care what your politics was in a nursing home. Politicians shouldn't care about their politics now. They should try to do the right thing and hold Cuomo accountable. Yeah, absolutely. To your point, uh, Ron Kim, right here, um, he had a family member who died in a nursing home, and it's probably why it hit home. Here he is. It took us almost two months before the governor decided to change. In fact, in a month later at a press conference, he said he didn't know about it. He lied. Just like he's lying right now to today's press conference about sending notices to the Assembly and Senate that we knew about the Department of Justice investigation. We were not informed. Uh, We were not told there was an investigation. You make a great point. You know, it's almost like when I was listening to that, uh, the press conference yesterday when I was watching it, I almost thought it was an audiobook of Hillary's What Happened. Do you remember when she wrote that book about what happened and she made her Woe Is Me tour and it was everyone's fault but hers? That's exactly what happened yesterday. He blamed everyone but himself for this. It's everyone else's fault. Uh, and that is, that is the worst kind of politics. I mean, ultimately, you have to have accountability. And if you're not willing to account for your actions yourself, Outside forces have to do that. And Assemblyman Kim deserves great credit for just standing up and setting aside politics and telling the truth. And I hope that there are enough Democrats that we can have a true bipartisan investigation and not just a report, but action taken to deal with the consequences of this horrible policy. Now, not that you ever take your politician hat off, but if you have, please put it on. Where does this go? Where does this ultimately end up? Is he impeached? Is he censured? Is his political career over? Or does you it go through you this? Know, I just uh, I, I try not to do the politics of it, but I'll tell you that uh, we need a more uh, bipartisan political leadership, but also a bipartisan media. People listening to Brian's show, your show today, Mary, understand the horrible 
uh, policy and the cover-up that have happened. The vast majority of the mainstream media don't even cover this. So the vast majority of New Yorkers have no clue about the catastrophe that uh, has rained on New York's uh, most vulnerable in our nursing homes. So I don't know what the political consequences would be, will, will be. They should be dire. We have an election next year. Uh, it seems to me that uh, this really is inexcusable in a way that should get people's attention enough to put aside partisanship and vote uh, vote out uh, the incumbents, vote out Cuomo. Uh, but that remains to be seen. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just sad to me that we not only have this partisanship in politics, but we also have it in the media. And we need the mainstream media to, to cover this nursing home scandal and the Cuomo cover-up. You're not going to see it on CNN. You're not going to see it on MSNBC. Uh, and we're probably not going to see it on ABC, CBS, or NBC either. And that's just tragic because this isn't about politics or de Republicans or Democrats. This is about lives. And I hope this story gets out in a broader way. No, absolutely. But you do have, you know, the AP reporting it and you are starting to see other media report it. So I, I do think that that's going to happen. I think you're absolutely right. It's interesting. You know, you people who have a or know someone who was affected by this, who lost a loved one or had someone who was who was made gravely ill because of mismanagement in, in a situation like this, that crosses party lines. So the outrage will cross party lines. If it were if it were just happening to Republicans or people that you didn't like you know the enemy on the other side of the aisle it would be a different story but because you have people like ron kim who lost an uncle it's now personal and that's one thing that that i don't think andrew cuomo can can escape from i i just don't and and i think that he listen he needs to be held accountable as as all of us do and and again i just don't understand why he just didn't apologize it just seemed like the easiest thing in the world to just say hey we didn't know what we we're doing we admit it but I guess you can't do that. Governor Pataki, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to speak with you. I'm honored. Thank you, Mary. Nice being out with you. Stay well. Thank you. And you can find him at Governor Pataki on Twitter. And his book is Beyond the Great Divide. All right. We've got more coming up, including your calls on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Well, I think they'll conclude that the legacy corporate media thought New York did a good job and they constantly smeared Florida. Uh, but I think if you look at the actual facts, you'll see that Florida has much lower per capita COVID mortality, much lower per capita hospitalizations, a much lower unemployment rate, open schools. And actually, we have businesses starting up anew. People are starting new restaurants, new hotels. And so... There's kind of what the Acela media has wanted to say for months and months, but then there's the facts on the ground. That was Governor Ron DeSantis with Tucker Carlson talking about the difference in treatment between New York and his state of Florida and how he was vilified by the press and Governor Andrew Cuomo was held up as this example of some kind of God. And I think part of the reason that Governor Cuomo was held up, obviously, he's a Democrat and he trashed Trump, right? 
And when the one time when when um, Governor Cuomo said that I asked him for you know the comfort or whatever, I asked him for help and he sent it. I have no complaints. One time he said that crickets from the media. That was the one time they actually did not translate word for word and type it out and put it immediately on the air was when he gave President Trump credit. So let's talk a little bit about this 866-408-7669, 866-408-7669. I want to talk about COVID. Uh, the Babylon Bee had a great story. They said, we're coming up on the one year anniversary of two weeks to flatten the curve. Remember that good old days, the old days back in like April when we were just, we're just going to shut down for two weeks to flatten the curve so that our hospitals don't become overwhelmed. Now we're shut down even after there's a vaccine. The sainted Dr. Fauci says, well, and you might have to wear two masks. What? I was in an MRI machine yesterday with one mask on and they told me, even though I'm the only person in the room inside a coffin, basically, that I couldn't take my mask down to breathe inside this coffin as I am fighting off claustrophobia, ready to run out of the room screaming like a like a, a person breaking out of jail. They're like, you can't take your mask down. So I'm in there and I'm trying to move my arm without touching the sides because I don't want to touch the sides because then I realize I'm in a coffin and I freak out. So I'm trying to pull my mask down so I can breathe. And they want me to wear two? They want me to wear two masks? I'm waiting for them to tell me that I have to take a plastic bag and put it over my head and have a, have a, you know, have a neighbor or a friend just tape it up really, really tightly so that no, you know, no, no COVID can get in. And you'll have people doing this. They'll do it once, but you will have idiots doing this because they're so afraid of COVID. So I'm just curious to find out how it's, if it has touched your life, how it has impacted your life, whether through a business, whether through a loved one who's gotten COVID or you've gotten it, or um, you've had, you know, my, my husband's godfather died and my husband to this day tears up because his godfather died alone in, in the hospital. He was in a rehab facility, actually. That's where he lived. Um, and we used to go visit him all the time, and we tried to explain to him why we couldn't be there. And he he understood to a certain degree, but the fact that we weren't able to be with him crushes my husband. And, and I understand. And that's something that he I, I just don't think he's ever going to forgive himself for. He couldn't change it, couldn't do anything about it, but he still feels responsible and is so regretful that um, his godfather was alone when he passed, we don't want anybody that we love to be alone. Right. So, you know, it's not a dramatic story, but it still impacted his life. And my husband being an ICU doc, man, he works his butt off. (laughs) He's still working his butt off, you know, still working. Now he works like 10 hour days as opposed to, you know, 13 to 15 hour days during the height of COVID. And he every now and then gets a day off as opposed to 20 days on and two days off during March and April and into May of last year. So 866 408-7669. Let's go to Joe in Long Island listening on WRCN. Hey, Joe. Good morning. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. How are you? Up. Oh, you know what, Joe? I'm going to take a quick break here. I wasn't looking at the clock. That's my bad. You hang on. I promise you will be first on the other side here. Mary Walter in for Brian. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Mm 
information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. President Biden needs to keep to his promise that the Department of Justice will be independent from political pressure from Governor Cuomo, who is a Democrat, but the Department of Justice and uh, law enforcement, this prosecution needs to go forward immediately. That was uh, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik from New York. She was on with Harris Faulkner yesterday talking about Governor Cuomo and his handling of coronavirus. And, you know, here's the problem. It wasn't so much the handling of it. It was the cover-up of it, the alleged cover-up that we now know, uh, according to his, uh, what was his, uh, secretary, secretary to the governor, Melissa DeRosa. She's the one who came out and said, yeah, we were afraid of what was going to happen. So we just kind of froze and they just didn't give out the numbers and they they didn't give out the information. Um, It's so bad that a Queens councilman who's a Democrat, Robert Holden, has urged the International Academy of Television, Arts and Sciences to take back Cuomo's Emmy. (laughs) Out of all the problems we have on our plate right now. Is that going to be the punishment? I don't know. How about censuring him? How about impeaching him? How about something along those lines? No, we're going to punish him. We're just we're going to ask him to give the Emmy back. <laughs> Take it off the shelf, Governor. Comes off the mantle. He said the governor's actions have been an insult to every New Yorker who lost a loved one. And I have to say, it's been an insult not just to New Yorkers who've lost loved ones. I think it's been an insult to to pretty much the entire country because he was on our TVs every single day, whether you wanted him there or not. He was on every channel giving these press conferences because New York and New Jersey were the tip of the spear when it came to COVID. They were the hotspots. And honestly, if Governor Cuomo had uh, restricted New Yorkers from traveling to Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Connecticut, it probably wouldn't have spread as much as it did, and it probably could have been a little bit better contained. Uh, but he didn't. He let them, you know, they they came over into into New Jersey to buy food and Connecticut to get away and everything else, and and then you wound up with a big problem in all those areas as well, and it spread quite quite rapidly there. Talking to you, though, uh, your stories, 866-408-7669, about how COVID, it's been almost a year and how it's impacted your life. Listen, I know some people whose lives have been impacted for the better. They're working from home now and they love it. And they're, they, they're spending more time with their family and they're getting more done and they feel that they're more productive. Um, I know some people who have some businesses who now have, since they've been working from home for almost a year, they're looking at getting rid of their office space. They're going to save money. That's not good if you're a landlord, but I, I think there are some good spots to COVID, but um, everybody's experience is different. And maybe you lost a loved one as well. So let's hear your experience. Joe, thanks for holding on. Joe in Long Island on WRCN promised you'd be first up. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. My pleasure, Mary. Uh, love Governor Pataki. Great interview. Uh, why can't we have a guy? We have an unstable madman running New York. I've said this since, since I found out he put these positive uh, COVID patients in the nursing home. I said, oh, my God, who would do that? We don't do that. We learn as kids. You give him chicken soup. You put him in the room, tea with honey and lemon. Lemon. And then I hear his press conference yesterday. He's got no empathy. And I'm sitting at the screen. My wife says, this guy's a demonic gargoyle. Who filled the void? 15,000 bodies, sir, of dead elderly. They were in frozen meat lockers and frozen trucks. And, and this isn't a conspiracy theory, sir. We have loved ones in urns. They're not even able to see their loved ones. They put them in the ground. You're yucking it up with your brother about you're the most eligible bachelor in the country. You're a man with giant Q-tips. You know where you can put that, sir? Quite frankly, uh, that's what I would say. Governor DeSantis, 
in March and April, he got the National Guardians to sterilize and clean the nursing and the elderly facilities while you were putting positive COVIDs into the homes, uh, into the nursing yeah. homes. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. For, I, I hear you so much, Joe. Thank you for holding on to it. Always, always a pleasure to have you on. Um, here's the other thing. Can I say this about about uh, Cuomo? I thought yesterday, if you heard what he had to say, uh, actually, let's play a little bit here. Um, let's let, let's go to cut two. Just listen to this. And I don't know if this is one of the cuts that will, will illustrate what I'm going to say here. But just listen to what he says here. COVID did not get into the nursing homes by people coming from hospitals. COVID got into the nursing homes by staff walking into the nursing home. COVID may have been brought into a nursing home because visitors brought it in and didn't know they were contagious because the guidance was you can only be contagious if you have symptoms. And you heard it a little bit there, but I will say the overarching thing that I got out of what I got most out of his his presser yesterday was he's blamed everybody but himself. Of course, he's trying to he's trying to deflect the blame from himself. He's fighting for his political life. So I understand that he's so condescending. Oh, my gosh. He is so condescending. He speaks slowly and he makes these points and he'll say, I'm telling you, like you're a moron, like you're a child who doesn't understand why you can't have ice cream for dinner. And so he's just frustrated with you. He's had it with you. Why do you keep asking why? Why can't I? Why can't I? Why can't I? And he's trying very hard to keep his cool. I just thought he's so, so condescending and just sounded so disgusted that he even had to explain himself. The only thing I kept thinking was, you are not helping yourself, sir. You are not helping yourself with any of this, especially with the tone of what he was saying yesterday. Let's go to Rich on from Long Island, listening on WABC. Hey, Rich. Good morning. Good morning, Mary. How are you today? I'm doing just great. So how did it impact you so far? Well, luckily, um, I, I haven't lost anybody to covid but I've watched Cuomo. I watched him from the beginning. He politicized this thing from the beginning. But I want to get to the bigger point of uh, why Letitia James chose to investigate and why she's pushing it. And I believe it's because she wants to be the next governor. Oh. So what I believe is if this doesn't get too hot, Andrew Cuomo will be walking away, not interfering with the ambition of Letitia James. And she's probably the next governor in New York. She... As the Andrew Cuomo and why he's not as valuable as the Letitia James, on the left side, their view is Cuomo, Andrew and Chris and all the Cuomos are white privilege. She's a very smart, articulate black woman, and she's ambitious. And I think that's what we're going to see. I have to tell you, you win the award today because that is genius. I never even thought to ask the question of why she investigated. This is why I love being able to talk to the audience because you guys are so smart. You're just so smart. That is a brilliant question. And I, I think the analysis is probably spot on when I think about it because I'm, I'm here right now going as fast as my brain can possibly go uh, and thinking like what would the other reason for her be to investigate and uh, I, I think you may actually be onto something, Rich. Thank you. You won the Super Genius Award of the Day. That's great. I wonder. So what do you think about that? You just heard what he had to say. What do you think about what Rich just had to say? Do you think that's why Letitia James investigated? You know, she cannot stand Donald Trump. She's a huge never-Trumper. I To me, she comes off as being partisan. But let's face it. 
they're willing to sacrifice their own if it opens a door for them, right? And that's with a lot of people, especially in politics, in business and in politics. Interesting. Let's go to Beaverton, Oregon. David listening on Freedom 970. David, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hey, good morning, Mary. How you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. Um, how's things in Oregon? Well, like any other blue state, we're really struggling with the uh, the fatwas that come down from our uh, tyrannical governors. Uh, the I, 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 I submit to your audience that what is happening uh, happened not just in New York, but especially in these blue states, are tantamount to crimes against humanity. I mean, obviously, you know, what happened in New York is perhaps the most egregious example. But what's happening in these states with the business closure, with the business closures, the, the, the school closures in Clark County, Nevada alone, I heard that 19 school age children, 19 have committed suicide since the lockdowns. There are uh, these blue state governors and the people behind this pandemic need to go to jail for crimes against humanity. And I'm straight up serious about this. No, I can he- I can absolutely hear it in your voice, David, that you're serious about it. I Here's the thing for me is I think in the again, I'll say it again. I'm repeating myself. I apologize. In the beginning, we didn't know what we were dealing with. So I can give a lot of leeway to the governors early on. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, the, the East Coast that dealt with this where it hit hard, hit head on. No one that knew what they were doing. The doctors didn't know what they were doing. They were intubating people and they, uh, ventilating people. And then they find out that, you know, oh, ventilators aren't good. You shouldn't be ventilating people. They were trying hydroxychloroquine. Then that wasn't good. Then it was good. It, so it, it was it was a lot of guessing. And at the expense of people's lives. And I think we can all understand that. I'm sure lawyers will sue and you'll find a whole bunch of doctors losing their practices because of it. Um, But I think most of us can understand that. What I can't excuse, and I agree with you with, is when it comes to these children, we know from Europe that the kids could go to school and the, the virus was not being transmitted in schools. If teachers got the virus, it's because of something or someone that they did at home, something they did at home, someone they were exposed to at home in the hour or when they went outside of the school area that exposed them to the virus. We know that the virus, according to science, and these people are all science believers, right? They don't deny the science that it's not being transmitted in these restaurants. You can go to a gym safely. So for them to still be, after that science comes out and after we see this and we know the studies that have come in from Europe for months now, if they choose to deny that in order to harm their people and they're harming their people knowing that the science says otherwise, I absolutely think they should be held accountable. Absolutely. Because he, because David is absolutely right. These, our kids are suffering. We have an entire lost year for these kids. You've got kids who are on, on path for scholarships. Friend of mine, his kid was doing great in school, could not remote learn, just didn't have the attention span for it. And now they had a, they're putting him in a private school and they had a hard time getting him in a private school because the Catholic schools and the private schools are all filled up with people, parents who have pulled their kids out because they want their kids to be able to learn. We've ruined lives because we have people in authority who are choosing to ignore the science for a political narrative because they wanted to hurt Donald Trump. That's what I believe for whatever they're, or maybe they have another reason and they're free to tell us what that reason is, but it sure does look like they did it because they wanted to hurt Donald Trump. So on that level, absolutely. I can agree a hundred percent more of your calls coming up on the Brian Kilmeade show. 
Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. Uh, Talking COVID, it's been almost a year. I don't think any of us thought that we would still be here a year later. We were told two weeks. We're just going to make the sacrifice for two weeks. And I even said, "Mm -hmm, it starts out as two weeks. We'll see where it goes. And here we are a year later and we flattened the curve and then it just kept going and going and going and they kept moving the goalposts. But um, we had Andrew Cuomo yesterday come out and have a press conference and explain why it's not his fault that uh, those people died in nursing homes. And we're taking your calls on it. Julie in Gainesville, Florida, listening on WSKY Sky. Julie, good morning. You're on the Brian hey. Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hey, good morning. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, absolutely. You're a nurse yeah. now, right? Yes, ma'am. I've been an RN for 33 years, and uh, it, it's been a hell of a year. Um, I can I can remember, um, well, gosh, about a year ago, um, listening on on uh, on the TV during my shift. I work in a hospice unit that is actually located within a uh, uh, nursing facility. Okay, a rehab, a, a senior facility. So we're yeah. a separate company, but we're th- we're within the same building. Okay, we have our own wing. And I remember watching this whole thing come out where things broke. It was breaking in China. And I said, this doesn't sound good. Okay. Well, ever since that very first day, I mean, I have tracked it daily. And I'm watching it double, 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 what they're admitting to, doubling, doubling, doubling. And I just watched the whole thing come down. And now uh, jumping ahead, now here we are with the situation with Como, which most of us that have really been following things knew that what was going on. I mean, them claiming, oh, we didn't know what was going on. Well, the first the first real outbreak we had that was devastating was in Washington in a nursing home. Mm-hmm, that's right, okay. Washington that's, State, yes. yeah, Exactly, it was in Washington State. That about wiped out this entire nursing home. So, you know, of course, we all know what happened with Janice's family, you know, a public figure, so a lot of people are aware of it. But for every single one of these people, there's a whole family involved. For mm-hmm. every one of these people. And the way our governor handled it here, you know, it, it was painful, but he did the right thing. I mean, we had no – nobody was coming in and out of there, period. No, we took no admissions from the hospitals, period. And then after a period of time when we learned more, we got good testing and so forth, nothing came into the building that if that had been, no one came into the building who had not been, hot, who had not been tested negative twice, mm-hmm. two days in a row, before they came to the facility. Mm-hmm. Now, that was very hard on families, you know, because, you know, let's, let's face it, you know, they're not really used to in these nursing facilities handling like a lot of infection control and this and that. Right. You know, it's not a hospital, you know, and they're not really set up for it. So the best thing they could do is just isolate the facilities. So, I mean, even though we're a hospice unit, because we're within the facility, um, we couldn't take anybody from a hospital that had not tested negative twice, you know, two days in a row. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been quite a process. We get tested every single week. Yeah. I mean, I have been tested for, for COVID every week for months. I don't know how many times I've been tested. 
Um, PPE was a problem in the beginning. It's, it's still a bit of a problem. Um, but like I said, we're not taking care of any known cases. Right. You know, first of all, bless you for what you do because you work in a hospice unit. And that is truly, truly a labor of love because that has got to be one of the saddest places. To me, that's akin to working in like a pediatric cancer wing. You know, it's 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 just a sad place to work. And it takes very special people to work in both of those places. So bless you for doing that, because it's such a needed um, service. And I can't imagine it's something that a lot of people like to go into. But I explained this. You'll appreciate this. I had a conversation with a friend who who's a liberal. And I, and she, you know, of course, is defending Cuomo, which I'm not quite sure how, but it's, it's a last-ditch attempt on her part. And I said to her, let me ask you a question. If you had an office building, and in that office building, all these people are getting COVID. Like, all these people are getting COVID, and they're winding up in the hospital, and they're getting it badly, and they're dying. And would you look at the hospital, or would you look at the office building to find out why this is happening? Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's not like he had no options. Right. He had lots of options. It was it was political. Yeah. OK. He praised the president the first when when he was, you know, when his back when he had nothing going. I don't know. Oh, I never bought any ventilators. I don't have any PPE. I don't have any staff. And I mean, and Trump just poured it in there. Yeah, he did. He gave him exactly what he wanted, and the president was still vilified for it. Julie, again, thank you so much. I appreciate you listening, and thank you so much for what you do. And please thank your coworkers. You guys are so special, and um, it's it's just such a gift. Thank you. All right. Um, I don't know. I don't know where this is going. You know, like I want to say something profound here, like, oh, you know, about COVID. I just don't know where this is going because with Biden coming in, I just don't think this is this is going to change. You know, you hear the sainted Dr. Fauci telling us that we may have to wear our masks even after even after you're vaccinated, you have to wear your mask because we don't know how long that's going to last for. We we don't know if you can still infect people. Well, then why am I getting vaccinated? They're going to they want to test, you know, he's floating the idea of testing American citizens before they get on a plane to go somewhere to see if they test negative. But yet they're allowing people coming across our border illegally to walk right in without being tested. So I think this is going to go on for quite some time and it's going to be a mess. I'm Mary Walter and you're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hey, good morning to you. How are you? I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade, as uh, that handsome young man just told you right there. Let's talk a little bit about Texas right now. I mean, we talked about Texas a little bit earlier with immigration. Well, let's talk a little bit about the weather in Texas. Now, I lived in Fort Worth, Texas for one year, two months, and three days, the far southwest part of Texas. I'm a Jersey girl, born and raised. It's not such a great match. Now, that would probably be different now, but I was fresh out of college. I didn't know anybody. I wound up being uh, getting a roommate because I needed a roommate down there because I was making, like, no money, right? I mean, nothing. And I needed a roommate. I wound up living with the woman who was the bank teller at my bank. We were the same age. <laughs> 
And she was so nice to me when I would come. I only knew her through the drive-thru. She was so nice. And so I would ask her about places to live and that kind of stuff. And we're still friends to this day. We were at each other's wedding. So it really worked out. She was not like a homicidal maniac because it could have gone, you know, could have gone left in a bad way living with a total stranger. And um, so, so you know, it, it was interesting. I made a lot of good friends out there. I'm still friendly with them. And what I'm learning from my friends who are in Texas is they're freezing right now. It's like insanely cold in Texas. Like they're not used to this kind of cold in Texas. I would laugh at her because if the temperature went below 50, she broke out the fur coat, right? Like she had this little, she's fur coat. She'd break out the fur coat if the temperature went below 50 and I'm outside in short sleeves going, this is nothing girl. Um, so they are not doing well. And and they have rolling blackouts right now because they've had this ice storm. They've had record low, crazy temperatures since the weekend. And it's been lasting for so long that they don't have enough energy. And they have rolling blackouts right now because nearly half, they're very big. Texas is big on wind power because they have a lot of empty space. Like once you go west of Fort Worth, like there's nothing between you and, you know, like Amarillo. There is like six hours of desert and the wind, you know, storms, the dust would come in every now and then. So there's nothing. So they have tons of wind farms to put on that land. And these wind farms generate up to a combined over 25,000 megawatts of energy. But because they've had unusually moist winter in Texas, which you call a winter there, they had freezing rain, and you mix that with this historically low temperatures, the wind turbines, over about half of them, have iced up, and they're not moving. It was like, and it just like, that was the end of it. So um, they say this time of year, they don't typically spin to their full generation capacity this time of year. However, with half of them not working at all, they don't have enough power. They also have a ton of solar panels. I got like the solar farms and some of them are so big, you know, there's a problem with these solar farms because the birds can fry when they fly over them because the heat radiated back. Like these birds fly over these solar farms and they're too big and the birds overheat and and they die. And they also get caught in the wind turbines. So you've got that too. So uh, Electric Reliability Council of Texas manages the state's electric grid. The storms, the storm is very gusty winds that went through and are spinning the unfrozen turbines along the coast at a higher rate than expected, which is helping to offset some of the power generation losses because of the ice further north up in uh, near Dallas and Fort Worth. And they say this is a unique storm, but it is being held up as, hey, Look what happens with green energy. Green energy is awesome until it's not awesome. In 2015, uh, sol- uh, power generation, Winder, they call it Winder from the wind. I don't know why they would call it Winder, but I guess that's what they call it, Winder Power. Uh, supplied 11% of Texas's energy grid last year. It supplied 23%. So here is uh, Rick Perry from, from uh, Texas talking to Tucker Carlson about the wind farms and what's happening out there with these record low temperatures. So the, the point is you need to have a diversity of energy sources no matter where you are. And it couldn't be a greater example of that in the state of Texas right now. We got massive amount of wind farms out in West Texas that are frozen up. They're just like a propeller on an airplane. They froze up last night. No wind out there. All of that wind energy was lost. 
All that wind energy was lost. Now, he knows what he's talking about. He was the uh, 14th United States Secretary of Energy from 2017 to 2019. And, of course, you know him as the governor of Texas from 2000 to 2015. So I had someone try to tell me, yes, but they store the energy. They have these big batteries and these solar power, these solar panels, and the wind turbines store the energy, the power, which is true until it uses it all. And if it's not generating more, then you you have nothing. Let's talk about the diverse energy supply here with Governor Perry. We've got to have an energy supply that is diverse, a base load that you know when you call on it, it's going to be there. I don't hear the current administration, I don't hear the Green New Deal talking about anything other than wind and solar. And those are fine. But the point is, you better be thinking long term in this game. And there's not enough people thinking long term. Yeah, because how are they going to defrost those big wind turbines if this goes on for a while? They use helicopters that spray uh, an anti, you know, anti-freeze mixture chemicals onto the wind turbines. And the um, helicopters use fossil fuels. And the irony uh, there is just dripping, isn't it? Uh, Eric in Orlando has something to say about this. Eric's listening on WDBO. Eric, good morning. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi, Mary. I love when you fill in. Thank um, you. I, I have experience in both of these because I'm 40 years New Jersey native, and now I live in Florida. Best thing i ever done. But let me tell you, if Rush Limbaugh is so correct, when it comes to disasters like hurricanes and tornadoes and floods, without the internal combustion engine, you're not going to have these rescues. When we have a hurricane coming, it's not just hurricane force. You have clouds overhead for days. Now, we have solar panel farms starting here in Florida. We don't have turbines, but you're right. The helicopters unfreeze those turbines, and that solvent you're talking about, it's petroleum-based, by the way, everybody. Oh, is but, it? Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and uh, Elon Musk, I think, said yesterday that an industry that can't supply enough energy to manufacture itself, it's born to die. So, I mean, we tried Solyndra already. What was that? $500 million, and China just outproduced us price-wise on the solar panels. But uh, and, yeah. and then if you go past the target, you see these Tesla charging stations. What's next to that charging bank? A big square cabinet with who knows how many diesel generators in it. So it, it's not a bad thing. The pipeline was natural gas, not oil, folks. And then people have they're, – they're dumping on coal. High carbon steel. Coal is not all coal is burned. A lot of coal is added to steel in making what we call high carbon steel. So if we get rid of coal, our steel is going to be crap, and your child in the back seat of that car is going to be more prone to getting hurt because that steel is going to be garbage quality because we can't use coal. So this whole Green New Deal, it's born to die. And um, being from yeah. New Jersey, I used to listen to WABC and good old Bob Grant. If I can close out and get your thoughts, I'd like to give Governor Cuomo, the former Governor Cuomo, salute from Bob Grant. Mario, <laughs> uh, Andrew, Azienda Mi, Tuesday's Provano Sfacim. Don't speak Italian, don't know what that means. And Eric, you, like many New Jerseyans, have fled to Florida. Let's just hope that they don't turn it blue as they flee New York as well, because that's what the New Jerseyans and New Yorkers are going to do. I have no idea what he said there. So if he said something offensive, I wholeheartedly apologize. Not my fault. 
because uh, <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, you know, we also have John. John also is in Florida. So let's let's get John in here, too. He's on WNDB. Hey, John, uh, Green Energy, what do you have to say about it? Oh, the Green New Steel, you mean? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, a bottom line of it is it's a Green New Steel. They know it's not going to work. It's a way for the demonic rats to put money in their pockets. They know it's not going to work. Texas is a shining example of it right now. They put hundreds of people out of work, okay? Why did they shut down the Keystone Pipeline? had nothing to do with the oil or worrying about it polluting. It had nothing to do with that, okay? It had everything to do with a subsidiary of Burlington Northern not wanting to, sh- not wanting, not wanting that oil shipped through a pipeline, and they wanted it shipped on rails. We went through the same thing way back when with the, a product called kerosene with John D. Rockefeller and Cornelius Vanderbilt. And there was some, um, I think there were some issues there, legal issues that came up. We didn't learn from them. We tend to continue to not learn from history, okay? And as far as your quotes earlier about Cuomo, nothing is going to happen to him. We all know that, okay? Nothing happened to Maxine Waters. Yeah. She made a clear violation of Title 18, Section 871, which is it's illegal to threaten or threaten harm upon a sitting president. She got away with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, look that up. Look, look that section, that title, in that it. section up. It's right there. Okay, then you have, then you have Kami Harris that she said right there. It's not going to stop. They're not going to stop. And then she supports him and gets him out of jail. Okay, and the reason they did this whole thing with Trump is I think they know if the conservatives regain the House or and and or the Senate that they'll put something forward and, and impeach both uh, one. Um, I call him brain dead sock puppet for covering up for his son, which molested children. It's right on the, um, it's it's right on his laptop. And why won't they show? Well, that I don't. You know, I, I honestly, I I can't go there with that with you on that. I'm really sorry, John. I can't go there because we don't know that. We don't know that uh, as a fact. That's what we. You know, I, I'm not even going to go into allegations. So, but thank you very much. I, I appreciate you joining us. I think. Think to his point though. That um, you know nothing's going to happen to Cuomo. I think he's right. Although I don't know when you have Repu- when you have Democrats calling for uh, Cuomo to be investigated. I think you might actually see some justice. There comes a point where the left does cannibalize their own if it is politically expedient for for someone you know who wants who wants to get in and they need an opening because there's someone in their way. It's pol- politically expedient to get rid of that person that's in the way. All right, more coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Well, part of the problem right now is extreme weather. Uh, and it's just the un- it's what people call unreliable. It's unreliable energy. It's intermittent. Uh, and they're gonna, there's going to be a lot of people now uh, out there trying to say, well, the, 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 the fossil fuels have also failed. Well, the fossil fuels are there as backing up a lot of this. And when you immediately try to turn them on, they're not running continuously because of all this wind power that they've inserted. So what's happened here is we're relying on an energy that's proven unreliable. 
That was Mark Morano. He's the author of Green Fraud. I'm with Tucker Carlson uh, talking about green energy because that pushes back now, now that we have Biden in the White House. And is he, though? Is he really making the decisions? Well, whomever is making the decisions, we've got that person uh, pulling the strings in the White House. And so the big push now is for green energy. We're going to get rid of fossil fuels. And I think we're seeing everyone's pointing to Texas right now going, hmm, you might not want to get rid of fossil fuels uh, because um, the whole wind turbine thing and the whole solar thing not working out so well in Texas where they have a lot of them. Let's quickly go to Tom in Little Falls, New York, listening on WIBX. Tom, good morning. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. What do you have to say about this? Well, I, uh, where I live in the Mohawk Valley, we have freight trains going through all day, every day. They, like, come from Boston, Albany, mm-hmm. New York City, go to Buffalo. And I decided I'm going to count some of these trains. I counted 122 cars, I counted 134 cars, and they're all over 100. How are you going to pull all of these freight trains when AOC wants no more diesel fuel, no more gasoline, no more natural gas? And it's not only the freight trains. Uh, I don't know if you have ever been on one of those cruise ships. They are huge. How are you going to run those ships with no diesel fuel? Ever been on an airplane? How are you going to run an airplane with no diesel fuel? Yeah. These people, they don't know what they're talking about. You are 100% right. They don't know what they're talking about. Um, she seems to think that you know the, the technology is, give it time, we'll have the technology to be able to you know run cruise ships and, and planes and trains and automobiles and everything else. Uh, with green energy. And they take top point to electric cars. And I just look at them and go, and, like, where do you think the electricity comes from? Just curious. Like, what do you think happens? Do you need a little bit of power in order to make that electricity happen? Why, yes. Yes, you do. Um, and so there, there is a bit of a disconnect. Um, they aren't that bright, but it's not about doing what is feasible. It's just about doing something so you can virtue signal that you did it. And you can look at your constituents and the people who support you and are just as ignorant as you are and say, look, look what I did. And then they're going to applaud you because you're a hero because, you know, you got rid of fossil fuels and then they go home and they can't understand why it's freezing cold. Because there's no power because the wind turbines are frozen. Can you imagine in the Northeast part of this country, wind turbines as your as your sole source of energy or or solar panels just yesterday i said to my husband i'm like are we ever going to see the sun again i'm just curious have you seen the sun at all i don't think i've taken my sunglasses out like today a little glary it's going to rain again tomorrow i don't think we've seen the sun for weeks we could never survive on solar power right now it's just not feasible let's quickly go to mark on long island on wrcn i'm mark good morning Good morning. I was just uh, I listened to your conversation. It's awesome. But I in the, in the field that I'm in, um, you know, New York City is powered mainly by Indian Point nuclear power plant. And Cuomo has decommissioned half of the power plant in the last year. And that really goes unnoticed in the news. So we're looking forward to rolling blackouts. 
It's it's amazing. And he'll blame somebody else for it, right? It's not his fault. It's Trump's fault. It'll somehow be Donald Trump's fault. He made me. He made me do that. You know, I don't understand why you would decommission a nuclear power plant. Like, and I get it. I get that nuclear power is scary because people don't know a lot about it. And they think Three Mile Island, those those who are, were old enough to remember Three Mile Island, because those who aren't know nothing about history. So they have no clue. But it, it's used very, very effectively all across Europe Absolutely. and in other countries, right? It's something that's very safely Absolutely. used. Yeah, and, uh, the, you know, the power plant, nuclear power plant in Connecticut is fine. Uh, you know, and being a, an operating engineer, I mean, everything is, you know, very run by the book. You know, it's, it's, it is safe. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate we're going to get it all jammed up. Well, what will probably happen, I would assume, is that um, Cuomo is probably going to demand now that Connecticut give New York power in order to save lives. And we're not going to look at how we got here. We're just going to look at where we are and why won't people help us and, you know, why won't the federal government bail New York out in order to build more, you know, wind turbines in the ocean or whatever it happens to be, they'll never actually come up with a viable solution that doesn't make the rest of us bang our head against the wall and think, you know, what the hell are you thinking? But, you know, sometimes, Mark, thank you so much. I've said this when it comes to politics in this country and when it comes to the left in this country, I think we almost have to, like a drug addict, you almost have to reach rock bottom and realize that, oh, I'm sitting in my, my cold home with rolling blackouts. Huh, I wonder why. You know, uh, why, why is it that we don't have any money? Why, why are these things happening? Why are there so many illegal aliens running around? What's, you know, we almost have, actually have to go through that to make changes and come out the other side. All right, healthcare coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade this morning. 866-408-7669 is my number. 866-408-7669. We're going to switch gears just a little bit here because I just found this so interesting. I, um, you know, my husband, my husband's so funny and I'm sure this conversation plays out in a lot of homes across America. If you're paying for your health insurance, right? My husband's like, all right. We hit our deductible. I don't because our deductible is like sixty five hundred dollars. So he'll look at me and go, "I don't know how you did it, but you hit the deductible." So if you need any procedures or any tests, you have to have them done by by the end of the year. So December, a lot of times for me, is spent you know in bed with with recovering from some surgery or something along those lines because my husband's like, "You have to have it done." by Christmas or by, by the end of the year. And he prefer I do it even earlier so that all the, um, you know, physical therapy and all that is then covered under, under the deductible. So we've been dealing with our health insurance a lot. My, my husband, uh, changed employers and we have the same health plan, same insurer, same company, same health plan, literally the same plan, except it costs more money. And instead of covering 80% of expenses being covered, it's now only 70%. So they're giving us less and charging us more for it because America and uh, because really socialized medicine. So in December, 
United Healthcare, which is uh, the nation's largest health insurer, which I did not know that, but um, I don't think we have it in our area. I don't know. I've never heard of it. But anyway, so United Healthcare, they had a, a presentation in the company. And this presentation presents an opportunity as an opportunity, the problem that doctors and patients do not segregate enough based on race. And they claim that there's benefits to segregating based on race. So black physicians would treat black patients, white physicians would treat white patients, Indian physicians would treat Indian patients, and on and on. And they say that the reason for this is a second slide in this presentation that they, they gave says consumers would like to establish relationships with physicians who they are comfortable with physicians of similar backgrounds, life experience, etc. One demographic factor that facilitates comfort is race. And currently this is not available in our physician directories. Clinical evidence shows that consumers benefit from having physicians of same race for diagnosis and treatment of frequently occurring medical conditions. And then they go on to suggest that doctors that um, add racial information to their in-network directory profile so that they can help potential patients pick them based on their skin color. Now, I don't know about you. I truly, when it comes to my physician, I don't care what color you are. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. I don't care about any, I don't care where you live. I don't care if we have shared experiences. I don't care if we went to the same school. The only thing I care about is, are you good? Can you fix what is currently like hanging off of my body or needs to be put back into place or is bothering me or whatever it happens to be? I don't care if you're funny. I don't care if you're good looking. I don't care if you have a fourth eye in your forehead. It doesn't matter to me. I just want the person who's good, man or woman. That's all that's important to me. Who in God's name would pick a doctor based on the color of his or her skin? Huh? Now, I can understand when it comes to certain areas of the body, men may be more comfortable with a male doctor and women may be more comfortable with a female doctor. That's fine. Totally get that. But don't you want the best person to treat you, right? Like, or am I crazy? Am I crazy for wanting the best person? I'm currently um, getting physical therapy at a place that's out of network. Now it's out of network, but I know they're really good. So I'm paying every time I go on my HSA card, it's coming out of pocket because it's out of network. But that's a choice that I made because I could have gone in network, but I'm unfamiliar with these people and I don't know how good they are. Don't we all like ask a friend, say like, Hey, do you know someone where we ask our physician that we trust and we know, and we'll ask that physician say like, Hey, who would you recommend for this and fill in the blank and see if they know somebody. 866-408-7669. Is this something you want to see when you're trying to find a doctor and you get online and go, all right, I got to see who's in network. So you get online or you go through the handbook, depending on whether you're old school and you look for the names. And sometimes you can tell by the name, sorry, but you can just saying, um, you, you go through the directory and you look for, okay, orthopedics. And you go through and then you have like pediatric and then you pick the part of the body and you look for the doctors and who, then I look at like who's close because I'm willing to travel a little bit, right? I'm willing to travel to get somebody good. And then I get a bunch of names and I'll even go online and check out their like scores or I ask around friends. I go into our town's um, 
our town's Facebook page and I'll say, Hey, I need a good reference for, um, a knee doctor and I'll put it in there. And then you get a bunch of references. You get a bunch of people who give you a couple. And then I look for the one that's recommended the most. And especially if I know that per, if I know someone, I'll call them up and I'm like, Hey, what do you think about Dr. Bob? Is, is he really good for knees? And she'll, you know, get, get the recommendation. But I don't ask what color is Dr. Bob? Because I gotta tell you, if it's a white dude, I'm not going. Who does that? Can you imagine like Dr. Ben Carson, because he's an African-American, am I supposed to believe that white people won't go to him, even though he was the best pediatric neurosurgeon there is? I'm not going to take my kid to him because of the color of his skin, or I am going to choose him because of the color of his skin. 866-408-7669. The presentation was prepared by United Health Vice President Mike Kane. Uh, According to his LinkedIn profile, he's worked at the company for nearly seven years. Uh, This presentation claims that several clinical benefits for consumers and physician relationships are based on race, including better communication, access to care, and preventative health measures. I don't understand that. I don't. And maybe it's because I'm not of color, which I know makes me a racist and inherently makes me unable to understand anyone else's experience in America. Um, I would assume that a doctor would give you preventative health care measures. Now, I understand that if you, if, you know, for instance, if you're African-American, you're much more likely to suffer from sickle cell anemia than other races. I understand that. But if I understand that, I'm pretty sure the doctor knows that too regardless of the package, the color of the package in which that physician comes, that that physician would hopefully know if I know it, that that's true. There are certain things, for instance, if you are of Jewish descent, you are more likely to, I think Tay-Sachs, I think is, is, um, with, if you are of Jewish descent, much more likely to have, but there are certain things that are universal. Obesity, much more likely to have diabetes much more likely to have heart disease because I was raised that under the color of the skin, the human body's pretty much all the same. You know, is once you get through the skin, it pretty much all functions the same. So I don't understand what they're trying to sell me here. Communication. I don't know. I, I guess if you all speak English, you're good. And if you don't, most patients will bring someone with them who, um, who's, who can interpret for them that they trust. And if you're in the hospital, the hospital's got to bring anybody to you. Tagalog, whatever your your language happens to be, they Urdu. They gotta they gotta dig up somebody who can interpret for you. That's their job for whatever reason. So I don't understand this, and it's interesting because. Um, the presentation quoted some doctors and patients expressing concerns. An African-American physician said race should have no impact on physician selection. I would feel uncomfortable with providing my race. Uh, another, a white physician said, I don't like it because my race has nothing to do with my abilities. Um, uh, an African-American physician said, I feel like it's a form of discrimination. And this, this slide indicates the proposal was made in an effort to expand choice and support culture, inclusion, and diversity. There you go. The magic words. There is an inclusion and diversity officer somewhere in the country who's probably about 30 years old who decided that this is what we need in order to be more inclusive and diverse in order to justify their probably six-figure salary. 866-408-7669. But again, I'm just an old white woman, so what do I know? Uh, David on WSKY in Florida. Morning, David. Hi. What do you think about this? Do you want to know the race of your doctor before you decide to go visit him? Well, listen, I'm telling you what. I am in complete agreement with what you're saying. I don't care necessarily about the race. 
or the color of his skin, as long as he can do the job and do it correctly. But what I think is just completely outrageous is this this study in the first place. We're supposed to be the greatest country in the world who cares not about race and about mm-hmm. sexual orientation and about all of these things, but yet they're studying that people prefer to go to a doctor of their own race. What hypocrisy. It's insane. It just it just made me want to call and let you know that I think it's real. Ridiculous. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. And it's not a study. It's just a, pre- a presentation that was made by um, the United is United uh, United Healthcare, which is the largest uh, health insurer in the country. And it was just a presentation that was made um, where they suggested that doctors may want to put that on their profile because patients may be more comfortable with someone of the same race because it's a shared experience. And as I said, there's probably a, a 30 year old um, health and uh, excuse me diversity and inclusion officer in the country, which to me is a total scam having to hire someone for that in your company. And um, they probably decided this was a really good idea because they're 30 and they don't know anything else. This is their world. That's my hunch. Now, they're not forcing the doctors to do this. It's a suggestion by the company. So I don't know if you, it makes you view it any differently, but I still think it, I agree with you. It's, it's insane. And I, I agree with David too. We're not supposed to look at each other's race, right? Aren't you supposed when you hire, you shouldn't have quotas. Shouldn't you hire the best person for the job, man or woman? Again, I don't care. I actually staffed a, a, a business office where, you know, for the, for the um, placing people in jobs for a consulting company. I didn't care who walked through that door. If they had the qualifications I needed in order to place a, someone in a job for a client, the only thing I needed to see, were you presentable? That's all I needed to know. And the more desperate we were, the the more lax we got on the presentation of some of the people who walked in the door because they could do the job. So again, if you're not interfacing with the public, all right, I can deal with you with that wacky thing you got going on there, but all right. 866-408-7669. More of your calls coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. All right. According to this report out of the Federalist, uh, United Healthcare did a presentation in December 2020, so just a couple months ago. And um, in this presentation, they suggested that doctors might want to, and healthcare providers might want to put their race in their description. Because, you know, when someone is in the search, they want to, they're looking for a doctor in network, you often go online and you look and you wade your way through the, the webpage and you find your specialty and you get down there and like, oh, okay, I need a cardiologist. And you go through and, and they think it would be helpful if patients knew the race of the physician. Um, they said that, um, they say it's a, a comfort that w- that uh, demographic factor that facilitates comfort is race and it's not currently available in their physician directories. And they say clinical evidence shows that consumers benefit from having physicians of same race for diagnosis and treatment of frequently occurring medical conditions. So someone that you're going to see often, someone that you're going to see on a regular basis, um, that you'd be more comfortable if you're of the same race. They say that several clinical benefits for consumers and physicians based on race include better communication, access to care, and preventative health measures. 
Now, the, the, the comments that they also showed, they were very fair. I'd give them credit for being fair about it, were from different uh, physicians of different races. And pretty much they all said, well, I don't think this is a very good idea. This sounds a little racist to me. Um, so it doesn't seem like they're on board with it. But as a patient, is this something you would want to know? Is this something you would find helpful? 866-408-7669. Uh, Laurel on WSKY in Florida. Good morning, Laurel. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. So sure. I so how would you feel? I know if you, I'm sorry. This is horrible. I think it's a wolf in sheep clothing, and I'm not surprised United Health is on board because I had to deal with them. My daughter's a cancer survivor, and uh, they would give us a fight on drugs. And we, we had really good insurance, top-notch, through them, and uh, they'll do anything to deny you health care. Um, they just will let you give you the runaround till you almost give up. But luckily, you know, we don't. But let me... What I wanted to say was I think it's a wolf in sheep clothing. I think this is a way to start denying people health care due to their race. And the reason why I say that is um, let's say what happens when all the good doctors aren't white or black or Hispanic? You know, what happens then? Because your doctors, because you're black, you can't go to the best possible doctor because he's not of your race. So these colleges are starting, you know, they're taking more minorities and more women um, than any, than white males are starting to get discriminated in these colleges. And I'm watching this and like Yale and all of that. And so less white, less white period are, have the opportunity to get the best possible education in medicine. So little by little, what happens when none of the good doctors are white? I don't get to get, get the best possible health care anymore. Well, I think it's, it's it's Jim Crow laws, but this time he's woke. <laughs> uh, Laurel, thank you for that. You you ask a, an interesting question. What's happening though in our healthcare system in this country is you're getting a lot of foreign graduates who are coming uh, into the into the system here because we don't we don't pump out a lot of American doctors anymore because the paperwork that's involved and the, they get sued all the time. It's not what it used to be. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, look at me coughing. Um, it's not what it used to be. Uh, their doctors are getting out. They're leaving the profession. You don't have them coming in at the same amount. And those who do come in, the Americans, um, don't want to work hard. Not all of them, but there are a lot of them that don't want to work hard. They don't want to work weekends. They don't want to work call. Uh, they want to know how much vacation time they get. They want to clock out at five o'clock. Um, so the foreign graduates are coming in and they're doing quite well. So you're going to have a lot of more foreign graduates. So I don't think it's that, um, whites are being discriminated against in medical school or anything like that. I just think, or in African Americans, I just think that not as many Americans are going into the medical field unless they go into like plastic surgery or something where they can make money and make their own hours and they don't have to deal with things like lawsuits, having to take care of patients that have no insurance and you don't get paid for them. You're forced by law to take care of these people, depending if you work in a hospital and you don't get paid for it. So who wants to work their butt off and then not get paid for it? Right. I don't want to do it. I don't know a lot of people who do quickly Colleen on WDBO in Florida. Colleen, good morning. Yes. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Less than one minute. I think it's a horrible idea. I think it's a step backwards for our country and our culture. And this is what Martin Luther King Jr. fought against, was being judged by the color of your skin first. And I think it's a horrible idea, absolutely horrible idea. 
Yeah, Colleen, I could not uh, agree with you more. And I think there's something wrong with someone who wants to know the race before they know whether the doctor's competent. This is a person who could literally hold your life in his or her hands. So you would want them, I would think, to be the best. Although I will say, Colleen, thank you. Uh, We don't have time for Doug here in Lincoln, Nebraska, but he said maybe with older generations, it would be something, a problem for them. My grandfather, my best friend, loved him to death, and he would have been 117 on his, his birthday coming up. So he, he died a long time ago. And, um, but I'll never forget when he had heart surgery. He says to me, he goes, hey, Mary Eileen. And I walk over, and he goes, he goes, guess what? I go, what? He goes, my surgeon? I get, he goes, it was a dame. <laughs> he cracked up because his heart surgeon, the woman who wound up operating on him, he didn't know. because, <laughs> And it was a woman was a dame i'm like yes they let us vote now too i'm mary walter you're listening to the brian kilmeade show pull up a chair and join me rachel campos duffy and me former u.s congressman sean duffy as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across america download from the kitchen table the duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.